Welcome to Through the Eyes of a Therapist. This is the podcast that puts a mental health spin on any topic. I'm your host, creator and editor of the podcast, Crystal Martinez Acosta. I'm a licensed professional counselor and board certified therapist. Today, we're going to be talking about parenting. Woohoo, parenting, right? Yeah, that's a really important topic. And it's a topic that's relevant to almost everybody in this world. If you are around children, you have your own children, you're raising children, whether you're a teacher or a medical professional or a mental health professional, I think at some point in your career or in your lifetime, you'll probably have to interact with children. And so today we're going to be talking about positive parenting, corporal punishment, how to fix undesired behaviors. Uh, We're going to talk about attachment styles, parenting styles, as well as parental stress. And of course, the science behind tantrums, because there is behavioral science behind tantrums. So I should preface this episode with the fact that I'm a certified parent-child interaction therapy clinician. So I'm able to practice this therapy. Basically what it is, it helps parents reduce their stress as well as fixing or enhancing the parent-child relationship. And research has shown us that the better the relationship and the stronger the attachment between a child and their parent or their main caregiver, the more compliant the child will be and the less stressed the parent will be. If after this episode you feel like you could use some parent-child interaction therapy or you know you have a child with a lot of behavioral problems, uh, you're having a really hard time parenting your child, it might be a good idea to go ahead and seek some help for that um, if you need some extra support or if you're you know, a little lost about what to do next. So uh, a little earlier also on Facebook, I asked some people for questions that they have about parenting and I've gotten a few responses, mostly about tantrums. So we'll be talking about that a little bit later. But first, I want to go over some concepts and definitions that you should know. Let's start with positive parenting. So positive parenting is a view or a lifestyle and a way of living where children should be respected um, and they should not be hit. They should be free of fear and violence and shame, and they should be guided with loving encouragement. Something that is not a part of positive parenting is spanking or corporal punishment. Uh, Corporal punishment is, uh, it comes from the word corporal, which is like corporal, which is body. So punishment toward the body. So spanking, hitting uh, with objects or just with hands or pinching or anything like that that has to do with hurting a child physically to punish them for a quote unquote bad behavior or an undesirable behavior. As far as corporal punishment goes, My opinion on corporal punishment is one, it doesn't work, and two, it perpetuates a cycle of violence and aggression and models negative social behavior for kids. 
I try to look for alternatives for parents to use with their children that don't have to do with corporal punishment. And we'll talk about those a little bit later. Basically, positive parenting kind of just steers away from those kind of harsh punishments. And what it does is is it focuses on the good things that the child is doing. So for example, um, it can be anything really little to anything really big that the child accomplishes or that the child does And that's what we want to praise so that the child is encouraged to continue the positive behavior. So here we're using things like verbal praise, prizes. And when I say prizes, it doesn't necessarily mean going out and buying this giant Lego set or something for them every day or every week. It can be things that don't cost anything. So some sort of reward, like you get to choose what we have for dinner today, or you know what, you're going to save up all the check marks on your calendar, happy face stickers on your calendar until you can earn that Lego set. But token economies are something that we're going to talk about in the next episode, so stay tuned. And the thing I want to go over now is attachment. So attachment is really important in in parenting. So something that I look at when a parent and a child come into my office, for example, I will ask about their relationship. I will ask about, you know, ever since they found out they were pregnant with this child, what was the relationship with that child like? So was it an unwanted pregnancy? Was it a a surprise pregnancy? Was it a, a really wanted and desired pregnancy? And then from there, was there any complication at birth? So for example, if a baby is born prematurely or with health problems, it might need to be taken away from the main caregivers and taken to like NICU or something like that. And depending on how long they're in the NICU or in uh, hospital care, that can have kind of an effect on attachment, obviously because the child is not with the either the biological parent or with the main caregiver because the main caregiver doesn't have to be a biological parent. It can just be that one person that the child's going to attach to. And the less you are attached to your parent, the less likely it is for you to have strong attachments or trusting attachments with people when you get older. But that's a whole other subject. And so attachment is based on trust. Attachment is uh, a lot of things, but for the purposes of this podcast, we're going to be talking about attachment as a relationship and attachment as trust. And trust for a child is developed by having the child get a response anytime that they ask for their parent. So for example, a baby isn't verbal, maybe an infant isn't verbal, but they cry. And so I don't know if you've ever heard this, especially in Mexican culture. I've heard this a lot with my clients too, is that like if the child cries, we don't want to pick it up. Like, está llorando, no, no pongas atención porque lo va, lo va a acostumbrar mal. Like you're gonna um, get him into some bad habits and you shouldn't spoil him or spoil her and pick him up every time she cries. Well, when a child's only way to get adult attention is to cry and the predictability of that relationship is based on the adult responding to that cry, then I don't think it's a very good idea to ignore that cry. So that can kind of set up 
um, some attachment issues as well, because if the child is not trusting that the parent's going to respond every time they cry, then there are confusing messages about what the caregiver's job is. So attachment starts from, I would say, like day one in utero kind of thing, and it can go throughout the lifespan. But again, attachment can predict uh, behavioral issues. It can affect the way you parent your child. It just depends. So we're. I just wanted to kind of give a little bit of background information on the word attachment because I'm going to be using it a little later and I don't want you to be confused. So then we're now we're going to talk about parenting styles. Um, there are four parenting styles and so I have a little quiz for you. So if you're ready, um, I'd like for you to just kind of as you're listening, think of Um, answering yes or no in your head about what kind of parent you are. If any of these following characteristics describe your style of parenting, I'd like for you to kind of keep track of that. Okay, so here are some of the characteristics for category number one. I'm not going to label it for you quite yet because I want you to have an objective assessment of where you're actually at with these parenting styles. So if these words or thoughts have ever come out of your mouth or you have these beliefs and values about parenting, I want you to kind of keep track of them. So here's category number one. This is the whatever you want kind of parent. There are low expectations, very few rules. They really like to spoil their children. They're very accepting, like we're really good friends. I'm really good friends with my child. Um, They're lenient, so they don't really punish and they don't really hold their child accountable. Uh, They avoid confrontation, so it's like, I don't really like to argue with my child because it's going to turn into a big thing. And they're super warm. They're super warm and loving. Okay, so that's category number one. Let's go to category number two. Let's see if you identify with this category. So it's kind of the opposite. High expectations, uh, clear rules, forceful The parent makes most of the rules and they should be followed without question. Very rigid, no flexibility about following rules or um, whether there's going to be a punishment or not. Uh, No questions asked and not too much warmth. So not a lot of I love you's, not a lot of hugging, but it's a lot of because I said so. So that's category number two. Category number three is... High expectations for your child, clear standards, assertive, democratic, meaning that there can be negotiations, there can be discussion about certain rules and expectations, flexibility, responsiveness, when the child needs something, they're there, and they're also warm. And something that could come out of that parent's mouth is, let's discuss this. Let's you and I have a conversation about what just happened. So that was category number three. Now, category number four is a parent that just doesn't really seem to care very much. So no expectations, few rules, absent. So maybe absent physically or absent because of uh, mental capacity or because they have a mental illness. Um, Passive, they don't really 
you know, um, impose any accountability on the child. They could be neglectful. So if the child is hungry or needs a shower or needs their hair brushed, they might not carry on with those tasks. Um, they're kind of uninterested. So if their child wants to talk to them about something, uh, they might just be like, yeah, okay, whatever. I'm not really interested. And there are competing priorities. So maybe the parent is really involved with their job and they're working 24-7. So that's why it's really hard to meet the child's needs. This is kind of the, I don't really care parent or I don't have time to care about you. You can kind of raise yourself. So those are the four types or four categories of parenting. And so I want you to think of where you land. If you were the one that had low expectations, few rules, you spoil your child a lot, you're really lenient, uh, you're really warm, but you don't like to argue with your child, you are what's called a permissive parent. So giving a lot of permission and a lot of leeway for what the child can do. If you answered or recognized these characteristics of the second category, high expectations, clear rules, children should be forced to do blank and blank. Uh, Children should be quiet unless spoken to. Um, There should be punishment for everything they do wrong. Uh, Hardly any I love you's, very rigid, not very flexible. That is called the authoritarian parent. This authoritarian style is the because I said so style. So that's category number two. If you recognized some from the third category, that's the let's discuss this category. So high expectations and clear standards, but there's some democracy. So the parent's a little more flexible. Let's talk about the consequences. Let's talk about how we're going to handle this situation. They're responsive and they're warm and they're balanced. And that's called the authoritative parenting style. And then there's the last category of no expectations, few rules, absent, passive, neglectful, uninterested, with competing priorities. That's the uninvolved parent. So as you can imagine, there are many different kinds of parents. And the way that these four categories of parenting are divided is kind of into a little graph. If you can imagine four quadrants, right? And you can land anywhere on that graph. So it's a spectrum. It's not like you are one of these and that's it and you're doomed for life and you can never go back and change it. There are times where you ebb and flow within the spectrum of parenting styles. So I just wanted to introduce those concepts to you because we're going to continue talking about them, especially right now when we start talking about tantrums. Gather around, folks. This is what you've been waiting for. This is the talk about tantrums. You know, there are so many different contributing factors to tantrums. Part of it is parenting style. Part of it is if you're consistent with your parenting style. Part of it is attachment. Part of it is even like traumatic events or mental illness on the parent's part or on the child's part. So there's a lot of different things that can contribute to a tantrum. Let's go with the most basic or I guess kind of worldwide types of tantrums where a child, a young child, let's say age two and a half to eight or nine or ten years old, doesn't get what they want and they throw a tantrum, right? So it can go anywhere from the terrible twos 
all the way to maybe late childhood. So let's talk about that. Tantrums are usually attention-driven behaviors. So tantrums can look anything uh, depending on the child. So it can be screaming, it can be yelling, it can be kicking, it can be anything. So I think the important part of this is that you're going to have to take some ownership here, parents, (laughs) is that you basically have trained your child to throw certain kinds of tantrums. So what I mean by that is because most of the time tantrums are very strong bids for attention, parents will give in when they get tired, right? So for example, if a three-year-old didn't get what they wanted at the store and you put them in the car, in the car seat, and they're behind you and they're kicking the crap out of your front driver's seat and you respond to them by saying stop that or stop kicking or ya parale o apasivate or whatever you have just reinforced that behavior and so now the child will continue to do that so that's what i mean by taking ownership for your child's tantrums so anything that you have responded to in the past gave the child a green light to repeat that behavior. Remember that when you're dealing with tantrums, attention is everything, whether it's good attention or bad attention. And this is what I mean. So good attention can be something like, great job for being so quiet. Um, Here's a lollipop. You know, if you stop crying right now, I'll buy you a candy or I'll buy you a toy. Those are, you know, like forms of attention that are positive. You're being really sweet with your voice. You're bribing people (laughs) at this point, right? It's like you really want them to get to be quiet. So you'll try anything. Um, So that's a form of attention. And then there's negative attention. So it's kind of like, stop it. Um, I'm going to spank you. I'm going to hit you yelling at them, all of that. So attention is attention no matter what. And attention has one function, and that one function is to reinforce behavior. That's it. Attention is attention, positive or negative. Attention is attention, and it will reinforce behavior. Got it? All right, good. So if ever during a tantrum you've asked yourself, why is this happening to me? Why is my child acting this way? Just think about what you're reinforcing. Think about if you ever tell your child to stop or quit it or cut it out, or if you're not ignoring. And the child now knows that he has to get to a certain level for you to pay attention to him. So yeah, I did get a question on Facebook from a friend asking if ignoring tantrums is legitimate advice, because I'm sure that you all have heard that, right? Like if your kid is throwing a tantrum, you should put them on timeout or you should ignore them. So to some extent, yes, that's legitimate advice. But ignoring tantrums works when you, one, ignore consistently throughout the whole tantrum until the child is calm. And two, if you reinforce positive behavior right after the tantrum is over. So for example... Condition number one is ignoring consistently. If a child throws a tantrum every time you go to Walmart, you must ignore the tantrum every time you go to Walmart, but also every time they throw a tantrum at home or every time they throw a tantrum at the park, you have to consistently be ready to ignore 
but ignore all the way through the whole tantrum. This is difficult for some parents. It's difficult for me also to witness this because one, parents get embarrassed. Um, I don't know how many times I've been at Walmart and I've heard a kid screaming and crying and then people around the parent are giving the parent dirty looks. Okay, first of all, <laughs> that's not helpful, right? It's like, so if you're doing that to other parents, don't give them the stink eye. They're already dealing with a lot with that tantrum. So be nice, okay? Uh, and that can be really hard because that parent can be feeling embarrassed. That parent can be feeling like, oh my God, I'm such a horrible parent. Or, oh my God, these people are going to call the cops on me because my kid is screaming bloody murder. Uh, so yeah, we need to support these parents that are experiencing the tantrum by helping them ignore the child. So don't give the child attention, don't intervene, but also don't give the parent crap because they're trying to do the best they can. So the parent who's experiencing the tantrum also has to work on staying calm. Staying calm is going to help you completely ignore the tantrum all the way through. Um, it can also be really difficult with parents who have high stress levels. So high stress levels in parenting, I mean, I feel like that's a normal thing. <laughs> I think if you're a parent, um, there is some level of stress that goes with that. But I think as a parent, you should be aware of your what we call reactivity levels. So reactivity is where you just react to everything that your child does and you're just pissed off about everything they do. Like, you kind of resent them for breathing, eating, sleeping, making noise. Um, they interrupt you and it's just like, bah, like you just explode. And, and it's the concept of having a really short fuse. It may not be abusive, but that's a dangerous place to be if you're a really stressed parent because it could easily turn into corporal punishment or it could turn into other types of abuse. So being reactive is really... Uh, is really unhealthy for both you as a parent and the child. So ignoring is difficult when you're reactive or when you're a stressed parent. So doing whatever you can to take care of yourself while a child is throwing a tantrum is going to be very, very important. So for example, let's say in the same example I used earlier where the child is kicking the back seat of the car um, while you're driving and they just will not stop. If you're a reactive parent, you're going to want to scream at them or, you know, turn around and pinch them or spank them or something, right? It's because your frustration level is so sensitive. Your frustration tolerance is so sensitive that you have to just react to everything. And so what happens with that? Well, one, you reinforce behavior, right? So attention, uh, reinforces behavior. And two, what are you doing for modeling for that child? So what we want to do is teach children to tolerate frustration. Frustration tolerance is one of the number one reasons for tantrums. Because when a child is frustrated at a certain level, they kind of just explode, right? So children don't necessarily have the verbal capacity, especially young children, to explain why they're frustrated, how they're frustrated. So they're going to cry and kick and scream the best way they know how. And that's how they're expressing their frustration. So if we over here as parents are 
modeling a low frustration tolerance because, you know, the child did something small and it pissed us off and we're reacting to it. It's like, hmm, the apple don't fall too far from the tree, does it? Yeah, so you're modeling some of that stuff for your children. And so we really need to keep in mind that ignoring is very powerful in a lot of ways. And it can also model really good behavior. So being patient, ignoring negative behavior can teach our children to be patient and to what we call self-regulate. So self-regulation is another term uh, that... It basically means that it's your way of self-soothing or leveling your emotions. So keeping your emotions at a stable level. When a child's frustration tolerance is low or even a parent's frustration tolerance is low, they will dysregulate very quickly, meaning a parent or a child might lose their cool, but then if given the opportunity, they will calm themselves again and reintegrate and regulate. So remember that there's a lot of concepts and a lot of different things that have to do with parenting, so I hope you're taking notes in your notebook. <laughs> the good thing is, is that this is recorded, so you can just rewind if you need to. But um, those are some of the main things about attention that I think you should know. The other really huge concept that I teach parents about tantrums is when you're ignoring a tantrum, there is something called an extinction burst. So all of this information comes from like behavioral sciences, parent-child interaction therapy, behavioral modification, um, social learning theory. A lot of these things come from those, those theories and um, backgrounds. So extinction burst is a behavioral principle where, you know, something that is ignored, a behavior that is ignored will get worse before it gets better. Yes, I said it. It's going to get worse. Expect it. Just expect it. Accept it. Embrace it. That it's going to get worse. So let's take the same example of the little kid who's in the back seat kicking the front driver's seat because they want their parents' attention. So if we ignore, we're going to ignore, we're going to ignore, we're going to do something else in our heads, we're going to count or we're going to think of a recipe or we're going to meditate or we're going to pray or we're going to make a grocery list in our head doing something to ignore that child while they're doing it they're going to try they the child are going to try anything and everything to get your attention at a certain point so what we call that is the extinction burst meaning it gets worse before it gets better. Why? Because the child wants to test your limit. How far does this need to go? How bad does this tantrum have to get for my parent to pay attention to me? So a couple really important things about the extinction burst. If you pay attention to a child during the extinction burst or right when the extinction burst is going to happen, you have just reinforced a whole lot of bad behavior up to that point, meaning the child now knows, hey, I have to get to this level of getting my mom really, really irritated and really, really tired right before my behavior is going to get worse for me to get attention. Now that is not good, right? Because children like to test limits 
And it's not because they're malicious or, you know, whatever. I think it's because first it's developmentally appropriate. And two, I feel like, especially when there's something that they want and they're not getting it, they're going to really try their darndest to get it. So the extinction burst is a really important thing to wade out. It's like a giant wave. Okay. So imagine this giant wave coming at you. It's about to crash into the sandy shore. Let the wave crash. Let the wave crash. Let the wave go back and recede back out into the ocean. That's the extinction burst. So the wave gets really high. You're going to ignore the wave. You're going to let it crash onto the shore and then you're going to let it recede back into the ocean. So that's exactly what it is. The behavior gets worse before it gets much better and it will get better mm, fairly quickly, relatively quickly. So it's important to ignore through the extinction burst. So we've covered lots of things. We've covered tantrums, we've covered uh, attention, we've covered the extinction burst. And now something I want to uh, talk about is active ignoring. So active ignoring is a very particular way to ignore a child when they're exhibiting undesired behaviors. So for example, uh, let's say that this same child who's in the backseat of the car in their car seat is kicking the front driver's seat and you're driving. This can be very frustrating. There's probably a lot of traffic. People are honking. It's a rush hour. You just got out of the grocery store. Ugh, stress everywhere, right? That's like not the ideal situation to be in. But let's say your child continues to kick and scream. You really want to ignore that behavior. You are ignoring, in particular, the kicking and the screaming. Those are the undesired behaviors, right? But there are still some things that the child could be doing right. In essence, seeing the beauty in the pain and paying attention to the good through the bad. So we're giving attention to the stuff that's different, but the stuff that's desirable. So for example, that same child kicking and screaming, but let's say they're holding their little sister's hand. How sweet is that, right? So you can choose to completely ignore the child at that point, or you can use what we call differential attention, and you can give attention to the fact that they're holding their sister's hand. Because, hey, you don't know, maybe they don't really get along very well all the time. So, okay, hey, you know what? I really like how you're holding your sister's hand. That's so sweet. They're kicking and screaming and yelling, but you're giving attention to the one sweet little thing that they're doing, right? So that's one form of ignoring. Uh, And the other part of active ignoring is just being aware generally of the child's safety. So obviously there are going to be times where you don't ignore a child. Yes, ignore through and through if it's not dangerous or life-threatening or destructive. So these instructions come from the Parent-Child Interaction Therapy Protocol by Iberg, Sheila Iberg. Basically, her recommendation on ignoring is that if you're you know, giving positive attention to your child on a regular basis, and then suddenly they do something that's inappropriate, you want to ignore that by either turning your head, staying silent, having a flat 
you know, face, uh, I call it robot face for parents. And uh, that's active ignoring. Now, if it becomes destructive, for example, if they break things, if they, um, you know, punch you or hit you or kick you directly, or they're hurting somebody else or they're hurting themselves, then you will completely not ignore that. Obviously, you want your child to be safe. So there's a certain point where, you know, you don't ignore which was part of my listener's question on Facebook. How far do you take it until you stop ignoring? And I would say that that's the time. You don't want to ignore when there's dangerous or destructive behavior going on. But if the behavior is just annoying or, you know, te molesta, pero um, no está haciendo daño, like they're not hurting anybody, but it just bothers you and it's annoying, you have to ignore it. So, for example, these things can include screaming. That is not dangerous or destructive. If they're kicking on the floor, but they're not hitting anybody, that's annoying and it's not destructive. So you have to ignore it. One last part of ignoring is to praise the behavior immediately that you see that is appropriate. So let's take the same example with the little kid in the back seat kicking the driver's seat. She's going to get tired of doing that. She might be able to do it for 10 minutes, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, 40 minutes, an hour and 20 minutes. She might be able to do it for a very long time, but she's not going to do it all day long. She'll get tired, right? Her adrenaline's going down. She's going to get right when that point strikes, right when she calms down, right when she's nice and quiet, right when, you know, she stops and she's self-regulated, you want to praise that. Praise the heck out of it. Like throw a party with your words. Like great job for staying so quiet. I love when you're so calm. I like hanging out with you when you're so calm and cooperative. I love it. So all of those things you want to do right when you see the desired behavior. Timing is everything here. These are general tips and tricks. So of course, if you want a more in-depth explanation of what these concepts are and how you should use these behavioral concepts with your child, you should seek the help of your therapist, your early childhood intervention folks. These techniques can be used in a classroom setting or in a small group setting. Just giving lots of positive attention to the behaviors that we want to continue to see and being specific about those is going to be really important, especially if you want good results. Okay, so that was Parenting 101 for Smaller Children and Parenting 101 Covering Tantrums. My next episode will be a continuation of this content. So we will probably do a short review of positive parenting corporal punishment, um, parenting styles, things like that. And then we will talk about how to use what we call a token economy to modify a child's behavior. So this is also a, a pretty effective way to start to change a child's behavior, especially when they're a little older. So I'd say kids that are like six, seven, eight, all the way through like 13, sometimes even with teenagers, you can use this technique. So you want to stay tuned for that. I will give you specific instructions on how to create one of those. And maybe I'll post a video on how I create them with clients. So that way you can make your own for your own older children. 
That's all for now. I just wanted to quickly go over some of that parenting stuff and some of those concepts and definitions. And we'll continue this conversation in our next episode. Thanks for listening to Through the Eyes of a Therapist. To connect with me, visit www.mypodtherapist.com. That's crystal at mypodtherapist.com if you want to reach me by email. Or you can find me on Spotify, Podbean, Google Music, iTunes, Twitter, Instagram, basically all social media sites. If you just search through the eyes of a therapist or my pod therapist, you can get into contact with me. Thank you for listening. Until next time. <laughs>